As we head into our communion time, I want to do my best to just connect these little pieces together here. In Timothy, talked last week about the center of attention in the household of God. And we want to come back to that in a brief way here before we come into communion. That it's, uh, it's not about uh, our traditions. It's not about, um, you know, all sorts of rituals or whatever. We need to, as leadership here in the church and as people that come on a regular basis to this uh, worship time, we need to be a people that are remembering the center of attention is Jesus. Would you stop and think with me for a little bit about the church at Ephesus? The church at Ephesus, um, we, we think of this letter. Many of you have probably studied the, the, the book of Ephesians, and it's it's pretty incredible book. Doctrinally leading to duty or belief leading to behavior, creed leading to conduct. That, that's how Ephesians gets split up. And you think, think of those people. Their, their pastor to get started was the apostle Paul. Here's their pastor. And then he left and, and left. Then when he left, he put Timothy in charge. So it's, uh, you know, Paul's right hand, one of Paul's right hand men now that's pastoring the church. It's like, you can't go wrong with these guys, right? These guys are top notch. Um, and, and yet, uh, there's an issue with the church at Ephesus. It's in Ephesians. Uh, I'm sorry. It's in Revelation. And here's the rest of the story. The church at Ephesus, Revelation 2, was kind of called on the mat by Jesus. Jesus is, is talking and revealing, here's Here's what I want you to know. And he, and he gets after the church at Ephesus. And most of you know what he got after them for. The church at Ephesus lost their first love. And uh, we could speculate about that some. But as you and I try to understand, here's the Bible. And what does the Bible tell us? It keeps pointing. In the Old Testament, it points to the Messiah. And the New Testament, it unveils. Here is the Messiah. It's Jesus. It, Jesus, the Son of God. He's God that came to earth. He didn't become God. He is God, and he came to earth. And that was the miracle of the incarnation. And when we think of him as God, it's like, well, then it's no big deal for him to raise somebody up from the dead, is it? He's God. <laughs> he can walk on water. He's God. What's the big deal? Now, I know it's a big deal, but I want us to understand, first and foremost, he didn't become God. He is God. Okay. And yet the church at Ephesus, it tells us in Revelation there, they had their act together doctrinally. You know, we, we make a strong effort to have our act together doctrinally too. We want to be uh, presenting sound doctrine. And yet... Jesus himself is saying, you have lost your first love. And that's really what, um, you know, I want us to remember. I, I think in, to say it another way, 
Christ was no longer the center of attention in their congregation. And we can get wrapped up in good things. They're good things. Um, good efforts, uh, even if it's missionary and, and um, solid teaching and a, and a curriculum for Sunday school that outmatches them all, that outshines them all. Uh, Awana program that is just spectacular. Student ministries that's just, you know, going great guns, all that. And all that we can still forget who's the center of attention because we can get, I'm sinful, you're sinful. We, we get wrapped up in, in all sorts of distractions. And I need to be encouraged in this way and you and I need to be encouraged in this way so that together we're kind of pulling in the same way. I like that idea of rowing in a boat. Now it's a big boat and we're all pulling at the oars, you know, and we're going in the same direction. That's the idea. Or pulling a rope, whatever it is. I, I, I want us to get into the, into the mindset more and more and more. You might get tired of hearing it from me. Good. We need to be a gospel-centered uh, church, a, a Christ-centered. And um, we don't want that to become our, our slogan. Oh, we're, we're a gospel-centered church. No, we just do it, okay? Let's just do it and share the gospel and be ready to do that with people. Why? Because we've been exalting God and, and learning of who he is and what he's done on our behalf from the word of God that builds you and I up in, in the faith. That's what, that's what we're wanting to do. So what about the church in Fallon then? The church at Fallon. Christ was no longer the center of attention in their congregation. Now, the nice thing is, um, we have today. We got today. And we've got, um, as long as God gives us to change that, Christ is. And to carry that on and just keep on saying, God, please use us for your glory. Why? That's what Ephesians 1 kept coming back to, to the praise of his glory. Why? Because of, here's what he did. God planned out our redemption. And Jesus came and purchased our redemption. And the Spirit, mentioned in chapter 1, 13 and 14, the Spirit then, uh, he, he's the pledge of our salvation. Okay? So, we, we are wanting to um, continue on saying, this is, this is why we say um, evangel- uh, exalting, edifying, and evangelism, they aren't three separate things that sound cool together because they all start with E. Um, it's because they, they go together. Okay? And that's what uh, we need to just keep on uh, emphasizing and living. Okay? So, how do we... Um, I want to... Oh, goodness... Before we have communion, I, I, I had some things I was going to say, but I'm going to skip on that. I want What I want to do right now is say, okay, having Jesus at the center of attention in our church, that's a part of what we're doing right now here with communion. The more you can understand what's, why communion is the way it is, the more we can say Christ is the center of attention in our church. There's nothing... Uh, mystical about these elements at all. They're simply symbols. They're just symbols. 
for you and I to appreciate and to give thanks to God for and to humble ourselves because of what he went through for your sake to reconcile you to God. I believe that we can guard from losing our first love by just everybody being committed to knowing and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And here it is, that a perfect and holy God created man. And that man, Adam and Eve, sinned and disobeyed God. Thereby brought about a separation between themselves and God. It was due to their sin. And they were separated from God. But out of God's great love, for God so loved the world, God sent his only begotten son to pay the penalty of sin, your sin and my sin. And by dying on the cross, he bore our sins in his body on the cross. He was the perfect sacrifice, the one and only sacrifice that would matter with God. And then he rose from the dead as proof, as proof and assurance that his rescue work was accomplished in full. Basically, that proof that his offer is good. So if you're here this morning, like I said before, if you're here and you're not, uh, you're not a believer, his resurrection put the stamp of approval on his work being perfect. And that's why we see in First, First Corinthians 15, the critical nature of the resurrection. If he, Christ is not raised from the dead, then what? Our faith is in vain. Right? And so the critical nature of the resurrection, it's critical historically and it's critical practically for you and I. Have you been raised up with Christ? In salvation, then keep seeking the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of the father. And then that he's done this. This is this is the seal to it that he rose again from the dead. And now the next point, what are you waiting for to respond in faith? That's what the Bible tells us. It's not a matter of working your way. It's a matter of respond by faith. And that's listen That's what gives God the glory. That's what gives Christ the glory is when we put faith in his son. Not works. Because then some of the glory, I I get some of the glory because look at what I did. No, it's by faith in Jesus Christ. And everything is to God be the glory. Great things he have done. So not just saying, okay, we know the gospel and we share the gospel. No, not just that, but Philippians 1, 27. Paul, again, saying this. Let your manner of life, let your manner of life be, or your conduct, be worthy of what? The gospel of Christ. So do you know the gospel? And it, how, does that affect how you live? That's what God wants. And that's what we want to encourage. That's what we want to see happening in our midst, lifting up Christ, that the gospel would be known, shared, and lived. Live your life in such a way to, as worthy of the gospel of Christ. No one is perfect. Here we come now to communion. And as the men, the men, if they'll come now to stand to my side and uh, help serve, 
listen, this is not um, a thing for Christians to polish up their perfection. No, it's just to simply admit the more and more of the need for Jesus. I confess my, my shortcomings. I confess my sin. I know I have held back from God in this way, or I know I've, I've uh, said things to this person or done things here at home, whatever it is, whatever, in whatever way. You ask God now, child of God, you ask him, God, please show me and help me now to get things made right. If I haven't already, I want to get things right now as we remember that you gave your very body. That's what the bread's for. We remember his body given over to be punished, to be brutally beaten for you and me. And then the cup, remembering that there has to be the shedding of blood to redeem a life. And God did that through Jesus. So let's, let's ask God's help here as we continue on. Lord, we bow before you and we just, we really want to humble ourselves before you. Lord, we know that sin is so enslaving and we know that, Lord Jesus, you came to set the, the prisoners free. We humble ourselves right now at this time to remember your death You came to die. You came to be the sacrifice for our sins, to rescue us. Even when we weren't looking, when we weren't thinking about it, you came and you had the the mission to accomplish and you did it. You came and you bore our sins in your body and shed your blood on the cross. And we partake of this now to remember you and lift you up. In Jesus' name. 1 Corinthians 11.23 tells us, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. The Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And Lord As we continue, we know that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. So again, we give you thanks and thank you for the, even the Old Testament uh, truth of the the lamb who was uh, slain and whose blood was put on the doorposts for the Passover, being a picture of Jesus. And we thank you that that is available to all who want, who would repent of their sin, turn to faith in Jesus Christ. Thank you for, again, your willing sacrifice, for your perfect sacrifice. Continue your good work in guiding us now. Jesus. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes thank you men
Um, we're going to wrap up our service um, here with a, a reading of Scripture, and then we'll be dismissed. But I wanted to say, I think it was Simi, thank you for uh, fixing up the, the bread for us. That was done, Simi cooked that up, baked that up. So, um, And also, next, next week we will continue in our study of First Timothy.